graduation from Loyola, I didn't have a job. So I worked in registry at Loyola Hospital. And my prayer was, not only Lord, find me a job, give me a job, <laughs> but what is it that you want me to do? Let your will be done. He eventually answered my prayer. And he said he wanted me to work in hospice. And I thought this was the most absolutely craziest thing in the world because it didn't make any sense. And didn't he know that I was afraid of dead people? <laughs> so I was obedient. I was obedient to him. And besides, he needed a full-time job. So I told myself I would be able to handle this. But when you do something that you really do not want to do or are afraid to do, that is when the grace of God becomes available to you and available to others. So who was I that God imparted this blessing upon me? So I stepped out on faith. And I asked him to give me the courage to do what I needed to do. But still there, there was this deep fear of being able to navigate death and dying and end of life. Because another part of my responsibility of working in hospice was to be on call. And sometimes that on call took you out at night to do visits. And sometimes it took you out to do a death call if the nurse was tied up. No pun intended, but if she was tied up with a patient. <laughs> so we have a problem with going out after hours and doing visits, but I had a real problem with doing the death calls because that meant I had to go into the home and there was this dead body. And nobody knew in my office that I had this fear because I was really good at covering that up. You see, I've had anxieties and fears about death ever since childhood. But to be clear, it wasn't so much death, it was seeing dead people. So just the thought of being in a room with a dead body would send me over the edge. I got a call one night. I had a patient who was 15 years old. Sabrina, I'll never forget her. She had congenital AIDS. This little girl was so angry. She had had so many losses in her life. She lost her mother who died from AIDS. She lost a father who died from AIDS. And so she moved in with her grandmother. And her grandmother got sick. And her grandmother died. Then she moved in with an aunt. None of her friends would come and visit her. She was just there with her aunt. 
She's very angry, very nasty in her attitude. Every time I went to visit her, she was rude, obnoxious, disrespectful towards me. But one, one thing I noticed that every time I went, and I don't know if any of you know the gospel singer Yolanda Adams, but she has a song called, The Battle Is Not Yours, It's the Lord's. Sabrina will have this playing each time I came. So one day I went, and she was being very disrespectful towards me. So I had a come to Jesus meeting with her. <laughs> And I said to her, you will not talk to me that way. I said, I am not the cause of you having AIDS. I am not the cause of your friends not coming over. I am not the cause of your mother dying, your father dying, your grandmother dying. You will not disrespect me. And I got up and I loved The next visit I came, she was an entirely different person. I said, now we can work together. The day she died, I saw her earlier that morning. And I went to the home, and she was lying on the sofa, there were two sofas in the living room. And I knew she was dying. I knew the time was close. And she called me over to her, and I knelt down on the floor. And she pulled me by the back of my neck, because she couldn't talk very loudly. And she said, can I go? And I said, yes, you can. And she asked me to pick her up and transfer her to the other couch, and I did. And I carried her to the other couch. And I said my goodbye to her. And I loved her. Well, as you know, it just so, just so happened that night I happened to be on call. Who gets the phone call? Because the nurse is tied up. For me to go to this house, I dreaded it. So I drove to the house. It was a nervous wreck. And so when I pulled up to her house, there were two police cars out in front of her house. Now, in hospice, most of the time, patients are do not resuscitate, which means the family just called hospice. Sabrina was a do not resuscitate, but the police cars were there. So I went in, and they were waiting for me. The police were waiting for me. And I, what I did right away was I offered my condolences to the family. I said, but I have to pull myself together because I cannot let the family see me like this. But I knew that I was in trouble. I knew that I was in trouble. So I went out and I did what I had to do and called the funeral home and took care of all of that. It was because of this young girl 
and my becoming undone at her death, that I knew if I were to continue in this work, I needed help. So I found an amazing therapist who was able to help me over time and manage my fears of death. You know, one may ask, why didn't I get out of this field? I couldn't. Several years later, <coughs> so I was asked in my <coughs> to be the social worker on the case of one of our senior management. His wife was dying. She happened to be the same age as me. And so when I went out to her house with the director of my hospice at the time, the woman she opened the door, and our eyes connected, and the hairs stood up on my arm. I knew I was in trouble, because I had a connection to this woman. She didn't last very long. She had colon cancer, and she had a she had a plan. There were a few things that she wanted to do before she died. One was to take this trip to Hawaii with her family. The second thing was she wanted to make a video of her, how she felt about her two little boys, her son. She wanted to leave that for them. She also was a writer, and she wanted to put together this book of culture for them. She wanted to reconcile with her father, and she also struggled with her faith. And she wanted to find some meaning in all of this. She asked me, can you help me complete all of that, accomplish all of that? And I said, yes. And so we were able to do all of that. And two days before she died, there was a fair amount of medication that was given to her for pain control. And it affected her lucidity at times. And she was in good spirits. She was fully aware of her circumstances. And she knew that her time was near. And I made it a point to, to visit her. And when I arrived to the home, um, her husband took me upstairs and she was sitting in her chair 
not able to move with much ease at all. And so I knelt down on the floor. And she was able to share with me everything that she needed and wanted to share, and everything that was in her heart. And she asked me, <coughs> when I die, will you come and help my husband tell my two children? Now she didn't know that I was afraid of dead people. <laughs> and I said, yes. Yes, I will come. I was the last person she spoke to. Because after that, she became responsible. She died the next morning. And it just so happened, I woke up about 3 o'clock to go to the restroom and the phone rang. And I knew when the phone rang, I knew what it meant. So I drove out, you know, to the home, and I met the nurse there. And I went in. I didn't even look at her because I couldn't. And so I went upstairs with the husband. And one of the boys awakened me. And because he heard the dog barking, he saw that I was there. And so the father and I went into the bedroom, and I let the father take the lead. And so the father told him that mommy had died. And then I took over and talked about the spirit, how mom's spirit was going to live on. And then because she and I had talked a lot about the spirit, I made that happen. I made it happen that she had a good death. And as I tell that story using the first person pronoun, faith clarifies that no, it is not I, but the Christ within me that makes things happen. Christ came to visit. I accompanied him. He accompanied Mary, and he walks with me, and he walks with Mary, and he tells us that we are his own. And so the question is, despite one's deepest fears, can you be obedient to the challenges of God? And the answer for me is, yes, Lois.